the ExxonMobil Formula One podcast. I'm David Croft. Hello there and welcome once again to the ExxonMobil F1 podcast. I'm David Croft and this is the story of the Hungarian Grand Prix, round 11 of the 2021 season and one of the most memorable races we've seen in Formula 1 for quite some time. The Red Bull Racing team arrived in Budapest very keen to make up for a hugely disappointing British Grand Prix where after winning the inaugural sprint race on the Saturday afternoon, Max Verstappen suffered a huge crash in the race itself after colliding with Lewis Hamilton at 180 miles an hour and hitting the barrier at Cops Corner with a 51G impact. Now, Max was taken to a local hospital for checks afterwards but was given a clean bill of health. Any fears that he would suffer any lasting effects were quickly dispelled when he went straight to the top of the timesheets in the first Friday practice and ended up the fastest car on the track. Before that, on the Thursday, both Max and Checo were enjoying themselves answering questions at a virtual event with employees of ExxonMobil at the Budapest office. Such a shame we couldn't come and meet you all in person. Fingers crossed we can do that for next year. Meanwhile, as the temperatures climbed to around 60 degrees on the track by Friday afternoon, so the demands placed on the Mobile One engine oil grew too, protecting that Honda power unit aboard the Red Bull and Alpha Tauri cars and helping keep everything cool, which is no easy task at the best of times, with engine temperatures in excess of 4,000 degrees Fahrenheit. Now, Saturday was a similar story to Friday. Bright blue skies and roasting hot ambient and track temperatures. But the Red Bull pair of Max Verstappen and Sergio Perez qualified on the second row, with AlphaTauri's Pierre Gasly just behind in fifth for his eighth top six start of the season. On a tight and twisty circuit rated the second most difficult for overtaking in the year, track position at Hungary is vital. But to finish first, first you have to finish. And it's that mobile one engine oil that's helping with that task. Eon Azik has been working with ExxonMobil for three years now as their trackside advisor for the AlphaTauri team. And at the end of a long, hot day in the garage, he met with me to discuss oil, fuel and firstly his working day at the track and why his role is so vital to the AlphaTauri team. Hi, my name is uh, Ion Urzika. I am ExxonMobil trackside advisor. I am uh, providing technical and operational support for uh, Scuderia AlphaTauri. And I've been uh, for like... nearly three years in the company. So here we are then in the paddock on this uh, Saturday evening, uh, Eon. What what have you been doing today? Uh, And can you now go and put your feet up, given that the cars are in Park Fermi? Yes. So uh, thanks for the question. Uh, Basically, from the early morning, I make sure that the team has enough of a supply of oil and fuel. Also, I make sure that the quality of products is in line with the, is compliant with the FA regulations. And uh, also after and between every session, we are checking the, the we are doing the analysis of the, of the lubricants to detect if there is any particular sign of a potential failure and share the results with the, with the race team. So that's three very different components that go into your job. It's tempting to ask which one of those components is the easiest, but I would imagine they all present their various different challenges. First and foremost, getting the fuel and oils shipped around the world is quite a lengthy process. Uh, The analysis is absolutely vital, so every single attention to detail needs to be made on that. And making sure that the fuels and oils comply with the regulations. That, I would imagine, is, is the one, if you don't get that right, there's no point you being here. Yes, exactly. 
So uh, basically the first variable as you mentioned, uh, so the logistics, getting the products to what, 23 race locations mm -hmm. this season. So last season we had 17 locations, well, 15 with the double headers. So uh, the main challenge obviously is the COVID, COVID restrictions. So due to the fact that some of the events were postponed in certain locations, so we had to divert our fuel and oil to a, to, to a different place. So yeah, obviously our, uh, our shipping partner helped us a lot to, to, make, to accomplish this task. Uh, well, uh, the part of the analysis, yes, it's, uh, it's quite challenging. So every time we're trying to help the team to understand better the data, we're trying to, to implement maybe new techniques to, to help and visualize the data which will, uh, which will help the team maximize their, their results on the track. And the compliance as well. Yes. The FIA are very strict on exactly what can make up both oils and fuels. So the lubricants and fuel side of what goes into a Formula One car. Exactly. So before the start of the event on, I would say, Tuesday, Wednesday, we are doing a set of tests. And also we are examining physically the cans of lubricants and the barrels of fuel to detect if there is any sign of damage due to the transportation. And also we are conducting physical and chemical uh, tests, as you said, to check if it's compliant with the, with the FIA regulations. Otherwise, uh, <laughs> we can get in trouble. <laughs> yes, you'd get more than a slap on the wrist, I think, for that one. Uh, yeah. We brought in, in Baku, uh, a brand new oil, a new Mobile One oil yeah. uh, for both AlphaTauri and, and for Red Bull. Now, yeah. there was a lot of fanfare about this oil, and rightly so because it's something, it uses technology that's never been used in Formula One before, and it, it can have a massive impact. So tell us a little bit more about the, the Mobile One oil that we're now using. Yes, uh, the actual Mobile One, uh, Mobile One engine oil is uh, quite a state-of-art product because uh, it contains ingredients which are, which are used in cosmetics industry. So this result was achieved due to an extensive research and development work behind the scenes of our uh, research colleagues. Also, it, uh, the ingredients are uh, sourced almost more than 25% out of bio, bio components and it yields uh, more protection, it gives more protection and helps, helps the, the power unit to maximize its, its power potential. Absolutely vital in a season of 23 races and only three power units available for those races. So AlphaTauri, yep. Red Bull, counting on the Mobile One engine oil, not yep. just for performance, but actually to keep the engines pristine. Correct. So one of the most important uh, factors is the reliability. So uh, the new engine oil enhances the reliability uh, variable, which gives the team a wider, a wider operational range of, of acting settings, on-track settings. So yes, I think this is one of the most vital uh, parameters, having three PUs and 23 races in the current season. And also a little bit of extra horsepower as well. Well, <laughs> or the ability, we're getting, we say, we're getting in a sensitive area. <laughs> or shall we say the ability to run the engine at a little bit more higher power without suffering the, the, yes. the losses incurred? Yes, correct. So uh, the actual engine oil, uh, as I said, it, uh, it gives a wide window of opportunities for the, for the race team to accomplish maybe wider sets of, uh, of power, power output. 
And given the victories we've seen since Baku, including Baku, uh, those results are right there on the track. Yeah. Do, do you use the oil as face cream uh, yourself? Because, you know, Not looking yet. quite young behind the mask. Not yet, maybe by the end of the season. <laughs> <laughs> and by the end of the season, uh, will you still be looking so young and fresh? Or, 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 or does the season take its toll when, when you're working on 23 races in different locations? Uh, yeah, it's uh, also a personal challenge. You know, <laughs> we got, well, most of us uh, get to make personal sacrifices. Uh, to attend to attend this event but still well it's an honor and uh, it's a real pleasure to be here to help the team to get the points and even win the podiums formula one after the hungarian grand prix shuts down for two weeks people go on a summer break do you get holiday as well yeah yeah i do well Phew. i'm planning to go to <laughs> seaside i guess you too yeah seaside yeah what in the uk no <laughs> Not in the game. Well, I'm I'm going to be getting somewhere in Europe. Somewhere in Europe, I'll be doing yeah. deck chairs, donkey rides, and you know penny slots, and and you'll be doing what pizza, pasta, uh, sunshine, swimming, swimming. Yes, uh, yeah, you, you, jet ski, you, yeah, and jet ski. You, you will have the better summer break than me, but you probably deserve it because you've been on your feet an awful lot more than me as well. Great talking to you. Thank you very much. Good luck this weekend, and uh, we'll, I'm sure we'll catch up between now and Abu Dhabi. The Exxon Mobil Formula One podcast. And what a Grand Prix it turned out to be for the Alpha Tauri boys, with Pierre Gasly finishing sixth and Yuki Tsunoda equaling his best result in F1 with seventh. That summer break Eon and I were referring to happens every year in Formula One, where the teams are required to completely shut down for two weeks over the summer to give their staff some much-needed rest and some time with their families. Now, the Hungarian Grand Prix was the 28th race in 56 weeks since the start of the 2020 season. It's been a relentless schedule for a sport that, well, when I first started commentating in, in 2006, had only 16 races a year. But let's get back to the Hungarian Grand Prix and on a beautiful Saturday evening in Budapest I settled down for a chat with Pedals, or Paul Monaghan as he's properly called. Uh, Paul is the chief engineer for car engineering for Red Bull. He's in charge in the garage and has over 30 years experience in the sport. He's a fascinating man to talk F1 with as I'm sure you'll agree. So it's after qualifying and we're here in the paddock with Paul Monaghan and you've had a very hot sweaty day in the garage I'm sure. Has it been hot enough for you down here? It's pleasantly warm. Thank you, David. <laughs> 65 degrees track temperatures forecast tomorrow. It's only 60 degrees today. It feels like hotter than the surface of the sun. And it feels like the sort of conditions that aren't really very good for a Formula One car. I've never been to the surface of the sun, so I'll take your word of it. <laughs> uh, if you mean the surface of the newspaper, it's a comic, so I don't read it. But it's all to play for tomorrow. It's the same for everybody. Let's just see how we go. How, though, do you make sure and work with ExxonMobil uh, that the Formula One car can cope with such extreme temperatures? Because it's not often we get such hot temperatures in Formula One. No, I suppose this circuit is one of the toughest of the year for the cooling because there's no significant straights to, to shed the heat. Um, you know, if you look at the most juxtaposed, it's Spa, isn't it? You sort of just spend ages at high speed. So... In the ambient and relatively slow conditions, we obviously open up the bodywork to get some more cooling. You'll see that on all the cars. You, know, you work the engine quite hard because you're in low gears around here. Part of the oil's job is to take the heat out of the engine. So you circulate it around, it's, it contacts some, some warm metals, and then we put it into the radiator and we take the heat out of it. Ultimately, the oil temperature doesn't actually change that much from other races, but what we're able to do is run the engine oil at a relatively high temperature, and yet it looks after the engine, which is producing some some serious horsepower mm. and therefore has some big pressures and temperatures inside it and it does it every lap and looks after it uh, extremely well you know look at how far we're going with these engines 
Um, that's partly Honda's work and very much ExxonMobil's work. Of course, the other solution, though, would be to open up the bodywork even more, but that would lose you downforce and cost you lap time, so that's never really a solution, so you desperately need this. Yes, yeah, so you, you push the oil temp and the water temp and everything else, but um, usually if we get the oil temp a bit warm, you're, you're in the sort of comfort zone of knowing that, that Exxon's product isn't just going to sort of fall over and oh, they'll keep it going. And look what happens when we get into traffic. Yeah. So you set the car for uh, a clean air condition, you give yourself a traffic margin. If we use all of that up, I'm never really that worried that we can't run it a bit hotter. Or the engine people might get a little nervous. You never <laughs> see the ExxonMobil people getting nervous. The oil's fine. Absolutely. And watching your car on track, as I have done at every single race this season, it copes far better in traffic than a lot of your rivals. You've worked with other engine, uh, other fuel and lubricant suppliers uh, at Red Bull and, and, and other teams before. But what are the key ingredients, do you think, to, to this current partnership with ExxonMobil? Why, why, why have they helped you become so successful so quickly with a new engine provider? They are professional, they're dedicated, they're thorough, they're motivated, they're driven, they're prepared to change. It's everything you could hope for and more in something which is so sort of almost dismissively characterized as being a fuel and lubricant supplier mm. they're an integral part with it you we would never enjoy the level of power unit performance we do without the fuel they make without the oil they make without the hydraulic oil they bring for us um, without the gearbox oil that they've uh, they make for us the greases in the wheel bones the greases in the cv joints if we ask for help it's there and then it's a case of how much do we need to do what do we need to do and when do you need it by what more can you ask for so uh, when honda asks for something they're there for them. When we ask for it or ask, can we do something a bit different? They're there for us. So, you know, as Honda's engine has um, has picked up as we took it over, then a key ingredient to the level we now enjoy and compete at is uh, ExxonMobil and their dedicated efforts. And how hard are you now leaning on ExxonMobil for the future as well? Because the partnership with Honda produced three wins in its first season, it's been brilliant, but now it's Red Bull engines uh, as we go forward, working with Honda for this year, of course, but how much are you leaning on ExxonMobil products and, and SO Synergy fuel in the car? I suppose at risk of, of, of enlightening them to how much we depend upon them, if you took them away, I think we'd be, uh, we'd be swimming against the tide, should we say? Really? Yeah. The, the engine's built round it. You know, the en when we life the engine and say it's got to do seven, eight races in the season, that's signed off with their oil. Mm. So put someone else's in, why is it going to work? So it's, it's a very much a bespoke set of products we have. And you know, if we put oil in the engine, you need a pump to drive it. There are losses with it. We then need a radiator for it, but it can't run without it. So we want as little in as we can. We want to make it easy to pump. You want it thinner than water, but go and look at your road car engine. It's quite thick, it's quite viscous, it takes more energy to pump. So what they've done for us is give us an oil that protects a very highly loaded engine, which takes less energy to pump, and there's very small volumes of it in there. You know, we've got an engine, that, a package that will go around corners up to 5G, and that thing still lives. So it's, it's in credit to everybody that's involved in it, and uh, ExxonMobil's oil and fuel and everything else they give us just keeps us alive and running, and uh, how dependent are we on for next year? Yeah, very. Absolutely. What keeps, what keeps you alive and running on a, on a Saturday night after an already exhausting week, knowing that you've got a race to come tomorrow? We've just found it, haven't you? It's tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, the race. <laughs> to an analogy that you and I would understand, and some others might, we're at half-time, aren't we? Yep. No goal scored, all to play for. No points awarded. there can't be a score draw tomorrow. Well, I suppose there's a no score draw, isn't there? But uh, <laughs> we, won't, um, we won't 
entertain that concept. Yeah, it's we can get a good start tomorrow. We'll have a grunty engine to turn one. Let's see if we can leapfrog two Mercs and uh, leave them in our wake. And just tell us, the car will be in part Fermé overnight. You and your crew will make sure it's prepared absolutely perfectly to go on the grid tomorrow. How do you feel when the 20 cars line up on the, on the grid, the lights start to come on? What, what goes through your mind at that moment? Right, how hot is it? What kind of tyre temps have we got? Are we all right with the brake temps? And then as you sit there and idle, you're wondering how much engine temperature we accumulate, what sort of power can we have from the start? Uh, as long as we get the start sequence right, it's then right. Okay, is the engine cool enough now to make some decent power and outdrag the opposition? I don't know, rightly or wrongly, I try to suppress this great desire to see us go from wherever we are yep. further into the lead or make the lead or whatever it is. Because if something goes wrong, you've got to be on it straight away or it gets away from you if you're really unlucky. And then if, we, um, if we're bumped into by one of our charming opposition, OK, what damage have we got? Do we need a new front wing? Can we survive? What's going on? Are we all right to run? Have we got a puncture, etc., etc., etc.? So there's a number of things that can sort of consume one's mind at the time when uh, you're sort of um, you're kind of on your tiptoes hoping that uh, we get the best start of the bunch because you just give me the perfect engineer's response so does the racer uh, mentality only take over the man who loves motorsport wants the checker flag drops and, and you've won it i'd like to say yes but it's not entirely <laughs> true <laughs> you know you, if either driver overtakes someone in the race there's a big buzz in the garage yeah. and the mechanics have a cheer and you're it's with them. infectious. You can't, <laughs> um, you can't uh, ignore that side of you. But equally, we've all got a job to do. And the moment you take your eye off it, if it bites you, then you, know, you, weren't, you're, you weren't the cog in the wheel that was still turning. So, yeah, it's emotional. Yes, it's fun. You don't do this because uh, you hate it, do you? You do it because you love it. It's competition. It's sport. And whilst I have absolutely no talent for sport, this is one where I can actually participate. So it's great. Love it. Teamwork makes the dream work. Uh, I hope you have sweet dreams tonight and you're not kept awake all night thinking about the race. And whatever happens, there's a cheer at some stage from the garage and you enjoy it tomorrow. We'll enjoy it come what may. And then uh, how many have we got left? 13 of these things? Yeah. 12. 12 after this, isn't it? Yeah. Well, I've finally got 12 of these to go. We're, we're, um, <laughs> it's, it, it is... Um, it's going to be a relatively lengthy season and I think we're going to be in close competition all the way. So uh, if you think this is nerve wracking, try Abu Dhabi for a shootout. I reckon that will be properly fingertips, won't it? I shall look forward to our conversation then. The ExxonMobil Formula One podcast. And I hope you enjoyed the conversation with Paul as much as I did. And I'm sure we'll hear more from him later in the season. However, any thoughts of sweet dreams were swiftly put to one side when moments after our conversation, an issue with Max Verstappen's power unit was discovered, a crack that hadn't been spotted before. This meant that a brand new unit would have to be fitted. No grid penalty, as it was part of the allocation of three for the season, but another unwelcome consequence of that Silverstone crash. And there was more drama to come at the start of the race. The blazing hot skies turned to rain showers just before lights out on Sunday and Valtteri Bottas, after a poor getaway, locked up on a greasy track. He hit Lando Norris and the McLaren 
and set off a chain reaction that saw Sergio Perez taken out of the race and Max Verstappen left with major damage to his car. The cars were sliding around and crashing into each other like skittles in a 10-pin bowling alley. Lance Stroll collided with Charles Leclerc, which left both of them out of the race, along with Bottas and a devastated Checo. The fact that both Valtteri and Lance picked up a five-place grid penalty for the next race in Belgium will have been little consolation for those forced to retire through no fault of their own. The race, though, was immediately red-flagged, and whilst the cars were cleaned up on the track, the rest returned to the pit lane for some running repairs, many of which were carried out on Max's car, but he still restarted the race with a huge amount of downforce lost because of the damage sustained at Turn 1. Now the race restarted, but with the track completely dry now, all 14 cars left in it chose to dive into the pit lane after the formation lap to switch to slick tyres. All that is, except Lewis Hamilton in the lead. He was the only car to restart the race on the grid itself, but he had to pit at the end of the next lap to change tyres, which meant he slipped down to 14th and last. An early battle with Pierre Gasly and Max Verstappen just ahead was ended when Hamilton pitted early, and that started a fine recovery drive to earn Lewis third place, behind Sebastian Vettel in second, who's keeping his fingers crossed that he can hold on to that second place, because at the end of the race, he hadn't got a litre of fuel to give us a sample to the FIA. The Aston Martin team are hoping that their calculations are right and that they might be able to appeal the stewards' decision to disqualify Vettel from the race itself. The technical regulations require each team to give a litre sample of fuel. Vettel couldn't do that, but the car has been impounded, sent to the FIA's technical centre in France, and they're hoping that the 1.74 litres of fuel that they think they've got in the car can be extricated and Vettel can get that second place back. Ahead of him though, no sweat for Esteban Ocon. What a wonderful Budapest Hungarian Grand Prix it was for him as he became the 111th driver to win a Formula One Grand Prix. What a day for him and the Alpine team as he celebrated that first race win but what a day to forget for Max Verstappen who with his pace severely hampered by that damage to his floor and barge boards could only manage 10th place. His lead in the Drivers' Championship that he'd held since his win in Monaco now over with Mercedes overtaking Red Bull in the Constructors' Championship as well. So another hugely disappointing weekend for a Red Bull team that will now take a couple of weeks out, get recharged and come back fighting for the second half of this championship. That's the words of the team principal Christian Horner. It's all to play for, he says, and it certainly is. Twelve more races left. Red Bull have won six so far this season in the first 11 races. What will the second half have in store? We'll be back soon for another ExxonMobil F1 podcast. And if you enjoyed this episode and you want to know more about ExxonMobil's technical partnership, head to the ExxonMobil internal motorsport website at www.mobile1motorsport.com. In the meantime, though, have a brilliant summer wherever you are in the world. Get some rest, because I think this F1 title battle could have us on the edge of our seats all the way to the finale in Abu Dhabi. The ExxonMobil Formula One Podcast with David Croft.